Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. It is so good to be with you all as we are starting a new series this week for the next five weeks on the Holy Spirit. Now I will confess, I'm actually very, very nervous to speak about this subject. And the reason why I'm very nervous to speak about this subject is because anytime you're speaking about God, there's a part of you that has to tremble a bit because none of us will be able to do justice to the person, to the persons of God, and none of us will be able to actually express totally who God is. What I'm hoping to do over the next five weeks is for us to establish an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit is here to inspire us, to encourage us. And I want to give like a little bit of a caveat. There is actually books that are written about how the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. Like everyone, when we think about our relationships with God, many of us pray to God the Father. Many of us pray to God the Son. But very few of us actually have ever thought maybe even to pray to the Holy Spirit. And the church has actually dedicated the third hour of Egbeya to be focused on the Holy Spirit. And I know when we, uh, when we speak about the Holy Spirit, there is a part of us that maybe we uh, haven't been familiar with speaking about him, understanding who his character is, and understanding what his work in our life is. And I think the goal of this series is for us to be able to actually uh, come up with a good, healthy understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how, what his role in our Christian journey is. So... What the goal is of this discussion today is I want us today to be able to understand the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When I say the Holy Spirit dwells in you, what should come to mind? The fact that God lives within me. Like God lives within me. Like pause for a second. Now I know Many of us maybe don't really fully understand what that means. But God has chosen to make me a temple in which he dwells in. And when you think about that, just even that simple point that I just made, there's a part of us that has to be a little bit like, whoa, that's really kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that God would choose somebody like me to dwell in. It's kind of crazy that God loves me so much that he doesn't want to be God above me, he doesn't want to be just God beside me. He wants to be God within me. And he wants to make me a place in which he dwells and works in. Before we can even get started, I want to start with a quote from St. Basil. I'll be asking the AV team to help me with the clicker because the clicker is not working, so forgive me. It says, Our reasoning brain is weak, and our tongue is weaker. It is easier to measure the entire sea with a tiny cup than to grasp God's ineffable greatness with the human mind. So I, no matter what I say, no matter how much I try to express this topic to you, I'm not even going to grasp in the tiniest bit the extent of the greatness of who God is and what he wants to do with us in his church. 
So again, that's why I said I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm trembling a bit as we speak about the subject. So before we start, though, we have to have a necessary sort of point that's important for us to hone in on. For a healthy Christian life, it is essential that we should be conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. In order for me to have a vibrant, healthy Christian life, I need to understand this point crystal clear. And the reason why I need to understand this point crystal clear is if I'm a temple and God dwells in me, then how am I supposed to carry myself? If I'm a temple and God dwells in me, then what does that mean for me in my community? What does that mean for me in my relationships? What does it mean for me in the greater context of the world? If God dwells in me, there should be a little bit of an audacity. And I don't say an audacity in saying it in an arrogant way. I say audacity in like, I am, I am an ambassador of the Most High. I am the person in which God has chosen to dwell in. And every place that I go, God goes. And every move that I make, God makes. And there isn't a moment in which God is that I am not. There isn't a moment where the Holy Spirit departs from us because we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, how come I don't feel that power? How come I don't feel that audacity? How come I don't feel that strength in my life? How come I feel like I'm always weak? And I think that's the struggle for most of us, is I think there is a tragic reality that there are many of us who know little or nothing of the conscious indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We know it theoretically. We know it theoretically. Like if I told you, you've been baptized in the church, you receive the Holy Spirit, you say, absolutely. What does that mean? Every single one of us in this room, by the grace of God, you've all been baptized, you've all been anointed, you've all been chrismated, you've all received the Holy Spirit. So you can say, yeah, I know. Yes, in my mind, I absolutely know, Abuna, that I have received the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? And what is the conscious dwelling of the Holy Spirit? How is that to have an impact on my life? The Bible says in Acts 1.18 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. Power. Now again, you may say, Abuna, but I feel kind of weak. I feel like I'm always struggling. I feel like I always am kind of downcast. I feel like no matter what I do, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I struggle, I feel like I'm always just kind of down. I want us, for the purpose of this discussion, to go back to your baptismal day. You guys lower the mic a drop. It feels like it's... I want to go back to our baptismal day, and I want to read the text that was read to you by Abuna. Many of you maybe were babies, so you don't remember, but many of you have attended adult baptisms in this church, or many of you have a, a baptized your own children. But I want to remind us, on your baptism day, of what Abuna said to you. He says these words, Receive the Holy Spirit, O you who has received the holy baptism. Receive the, whole, the Spirit of God, which filled you with good pleasure. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father, has filled you with power and grace. O blessed child who has received the holy baptism, receive the Spirit of comfort, the heavenly blessing, through the unction of the holy Myron. O blessed child, receive mercy, hope, faith, and grace through Christ the only begotten. O blessed child, receive the spirit of joy. 
through the powerful king, receive the spirit of rejoicing through Emmanuel our God and the seal that cannot be loosed. O blessed child, receive the spirit that is full of glory through Christ the king of glory. You have received grace and blessing through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, a crown of gold, a crown of silver, and a crown of pearl. Guys, did you just read that text? This is a big deal. Like, this is, this is a big deal. Like, do you see the words that are, were said there? You have become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Look what St. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.13. He says, in him you also trusted after you hear, heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I don't want us to dilute this. I don't want us to take these words lightly. I don't want us to, un, to, to kind of discount the presence of God within our lives. Because again, the reason why many of us feel weak is because we don't have this conscious, regular awareness and regular relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you. As a new priest in a church this size, with all the stuff that comes in a church this size, there's a part of you that sometimes you're in the middle of all the problems that are coming up and you say, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know, like a person is sitting in your office and you're like, I don't know, I don't have a solution for you. Like I'm, I'm in this job 10 months, like I don't know anything. I don't know my right hand from my left hand. Like why are you coming to me? Because I wear black now all of a sudden that I have all the answers to all life's problems. I'm saying that humorously. But that's where the dependence on the Holy Spirit is necessary. And there's been many times where I'll be sitting with somebody and somebody will be saying something to me. I'll be like, Holy Spirit, I really have no idea what to say to this person. And all of a sudden, a thought will pop into my mind or a word will be said. And I'll say something and then all of a sudden the person will start crying. Abuna, how did you know? And then you, and, and, and to be very honest with you, person, you can't point to yourself and be like, oh, that's me, I'm like extra spiritual. You can't say that because, I, again, I, you know the expression in Arabic? Like, you know, like you're still in your pampers. Like you're still in your pampers as a priest. Like the Arabic expression, like you're still an infant. Like you can't depend on yourself. There's no capacity for you to believe that you have anything to give. And that's actually, I've learned the dependence on the Holy Spirit during this season of my life in which I feel really helpless at times. And I don't know if you can relate to me. I don't know if you can relate to me in times where you felt very overwhelmed in life or somebody has come to you with a problem or somebody has discussed an issue with you that you're like, I really don't know. And then all of a sudden you pray and you feel like a voice whispers in your ear. Or maybe you're driving your car and all of a sudden you're reminded of someone. And then you say, you know, spirit is, are you, do you want me to call that person? You'll call that person and that person will be like, how did you know I was going through a hard time? Like, why did you call me to? I don't know. I just felt the spirit stirring. I felt like God was telling me to say something to you or to call you in this moment. The point that I'm trying to make to you is this is a big deal that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. This is a big deal because there is immense power. And what I wish that the church, all of us would do is we tap into that potential. We would tap into that power from on high. But before we can do that, I think we need to have some clarity on some certain things. Who is the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you guys my biggest pet peeve? The Holy Spirit is a person. 
He is not an it. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when people refer to the Holy Spirit as it. It will give you power. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is the one that dwells in us. He is the one who gives us power from on high. He is the one who teaches us all things and brings us to remembrance of the things which Christ has taught us. He is the one who fills this church with power. He is the one who does thing after thing after thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. So please remove it from your vocabulary. Anytime we speak about the Holy Spirit, I want you to refer to him as he. That's his pronoun. I know the world likes to talk about pronouns, but the, the Holy Spirit is genderless, by the way. But the, the, the pronoun that he specifically, Christ spoke specifically about is he. He. But I want you guys to know that when we, when we call the Holy Spirit it, that means we're taking away from the personal encounter with the person of the Trinity. Like, if he's just this abstract force, then you don't know how to have a relationship with an abstract force. Does that make sense? So why is it it's adamant that we refer to the Holy Spirit as he? The next thing is, he is not an inanimate force, but one of the three eternal persons of the Holy Trinity. I'm going to get a little bit theological here because I think it's important. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, God. Meaning, God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not the Holy Spirit. The, the three distinct persons of the Godhead share the same common will, same common direction, and they share the one essence of the Godhead. And this is of utmost importance because, again, it's very difficult when we don't know the Holy Trinity and understand the roles of each person of the Holy Trinity and how each of them have a specific role in our salvation to have a relationship with them. So again, getting a little bit theological, but I want to just clear this up. We can and do enter into personal relationship with him. Again, he's not an inanimate force. He is a person and a person you can have a relationship with. And it's important that we do continue to establish a relationship with him. The Spirit and the third member of the Holy Trinity is co-eternal, co-equal with the Father, the Son, and He's not merely a function dependent on them or an intermediary that they employed. He has His own specific role in the work of salvation. Don't let me lose you here. If you got lost in the theology, come and bring it back in. Bring it back in. The point that is most important about those last few points that I want you to know is that He is a person. And he wants to have a relationship with you, and he is longing to be used by you in the church. I want to refer to St. Cyril of Jerusalem for a second about this topic of the person of the, of the Holy Spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, and there is, only, there is one God the Father and no second Father. And there is only one only begotten Son and the Word of God who has no brother. So there is only one Holy Spirit and no second spirit, equal in honor to him. The Holy Spirit is a most mighty power, a being divine and unsearchable. He is living, intelligent being, the sanctifying power of all things made by God through Christ. What is this saying? What is St. Cyril saying? He's saying this is a person. He is a person. He has power to give you that he's the most intelligent being. He has a sanctifying power to cleanse us, to give us healing, to move us to a place where we are being changed from glory to glory. He wants to work within each and every one of us. You know, one of the favorite hymns that we say in the church during this season is what? 
Also men, right? Everybody loves this hit. You see people bursting out and everybody belts it with their, with their, and it says, and he sent us the paraclete. The paraclete. Does anyone know the meaning of the word paraclete? I want to show you like for a second how translators of the Greek word paraclete have had a really difficult time with this word because there's so many kind of like similar words that kind of have a similar meaning, but they're so different in a way. And it shows you how vast this word is, how vast the Greek language is. Like when you give a word, this word can mean a number of different things, but they have so, sort of a similar goal and direction. Translators, if you read the King James Version, it says the Holy Spirit, or the New King James Version, it says that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. If you read the ESV, it says he's the counselor. If you read the NEB, it says that he's the advocate if you re- or the intercessor. If you read the Phillips translation, it says someone else to stand by you. What does all this say, or what does all this mean? It says the Holy Spirit is here to give you help. He, the help is here. That God is not far, that God is not distant, but that help is here and help is, help is present and available to every single one of us if we choose to tap into that power. And I want to show you just a few things as you read Scripture about the Holy Spirit. If you go to Revelation chapter 2, Verse 7. I'm going, to go, I'm going to give you a, a ton of scriptures. Actually, when you look at the New Testament or when you look at the scriptures as a whole, the Spirit is mentioned over a thousand times in scripture. Over a thousand times. Like Christ spoke extensively about the Holy Spirit. In his final farewell discourse in John chapter 16 or 15, 16, 17, or 14, 13, 14, 15, 14, 15, 16. Sorry, a little tongue twister for a second and parts of 17 as well, the farewell discourse, you find him speaking specifically to to his disciples about the Holy Spirit a ton, and then at the end he prays for them in 17. Most important thing that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is a big deal, and he has, he's a a specific person. So watch what he says in Revelation 2.7. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If he's not a person, how can he speak? If he's just a force, how can he speak? Likewise, the Spirit, in Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us. You ever wonder to yourself, sometimes you're like praying and you don't know what to say, and then all of a sudden you start praying and then words start coming out? The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in our weaknesses and who groans on our lips and teaches us how to pray. He's the one who utters on our lips. He's the one who moves us to prayer. He's the one who encourages us. He's the one who makes intercession for us. If he's not a real being, how can he help us in our weakness? How can he make intercession for us? John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. He's a teacher. He's an intercessor. He helps in our weakness. He speaks. You go to John 15. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You know what the word testify means? What does testify mean in court? You got some lawyers in here? What does the word testify mean? Huh? Speak on behalf. Speak on behalf. He is the one who speaks 
on behalf of Christ to you. He's the one who whispers in your ear. He's the one who reminds you. All of a sudden, you're talking to somebody and you're reminded of a verse. All of a sudden, you're talking to somebody and you're reminded of a specific situation or a specific story that the Spirit specifically encourages you to tell. Stay with me, guys, please. However, go to the next slide. John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know, many people will say, how do I know something is true? How do I know something is true? You can ask the Holy Spirit. You can ask the Holy Spirit that if you're going through something, like, Spirit, is this the right thing to do? The Holy Spirit speaks loud and clear if you have a relationship with him. But if you have no relationship with him, you're not accustomed to hearing his voice. And you're not accustomed to understanding what is true and what's not true. But his role is to tell you what is true. His role is to speak to you, to encourage you, and to tell you, and to help you navigate where you ought to go. I'm going to keep going with a few more scriptures. Bear with me. Now when they had gone through, I never know how to pronounce this word, Firgeia, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden, look at this, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And they had come to My Mycia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. How, how can one be going in a direction and the Spirit literally stop them and move them elsewhere? If this is this abstract force, if this isn't a person, if this isn't a real like, relationship that speaks, that navigates, that guides. Now, I'm going to tell you in a second why this is so important. Over the next five weeks, we're going to go into specific attributes of the Holy Spirit and how we can accrue what the Holy Spirit actually is here to give us. But what's most important for us to know is that as you look at all these different scriptures, you find that the Holy Spirit is very active in the book of Acts. Like, you can't read a chapter in the book of Acts where the, the apostles had a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Read this. As they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, how did they hear him? The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, this is actually the Acts reading of today. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Holy Spirit is speaking. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Look at this. Look at this text. Verse after verse after verse, you see specific relationship. You see specific guidance. You see specific power. You see specific ways to navigate certain situations through the Holy Spirit. If you get anything from this conversation or this discussion, is that the Holy Spirit is real and wants to have a relationship with you. And what I'm urging all of us as we are going through this journey over the next few weeks is for us maybe to take a challenge. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. And tell me that the Holy Spirit is not moving and doing amazing things to turn the world upside down. And then ask yourself the question, how come I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like the apostles did? What's lacking in my life? What's hindering me from being able to know his voice? What's hindering me from being able to be aware of his presence? What's hindering me from being able to navigate certain situations in life where I'm confused about? What's hindering me from being able to know the areas in my life that the Holy Spirit's pointing out that need to change? 
I think, personally, many of us were happy not having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you have a person who's constantly calling you out on the areas where you want to, where you need to improve, I don't want that kind of friend. Imagine you had a friend who's constantly telling you where all your shortcomings are, but imagine that friend is actually a real friend. That friend is the friend that wants the best for you. That friend is the one that's going to push you to be the place where you ought to be because they see your potential. I think many of us don't want an encounter and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We prefer to listen to our own voices. And what I've discovered is that when you look oftentimes and even how we do make most of our decisions in life, most of our decisions are very me-directed and me-focused. I spoke about this a little bit in the sermon. Our prayers are self-focused. Our ministries are self-focused. Our relationships with others are self-focused. What can I get out of it? What is this person doing for me? And I think maybe all of us need to pause in this season of the church where the Holy Spirit, we're focused on the Holy Spirit during the season of the church. And say, dear Holy Spirit, help me. Help me be aware of where I can be. Show me where you want me to go. Teach me how you want me to live my life. Help me make decisions that I'm struggling with. And let me be, learn to align my will to your will. When you look how the Spirit was moved by the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, man, straight power. Look at the, the, the exposition from last week's kneeling prayers. It's a small exposition called the Watos expo Exposition. If you actually took the texts during our liturgical service and you pause, I know sometimes we read them so fast because if we, if we were to do, for example, Salat the Segda last week, it would take like two and a half hours if we were to really read it slowly. But if we pause later on and we really read it, you see the words that are said here. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they received what? Exalted gifts. The spirit of wisdom. How many of you want the spirit of wisdom? You guys asleep? You guys asleep? How many want the spirit of wisdom? How many of you want the spirit of guidance, guidance, which guided them? The spirit of knowledge. How many want the spirit of knowledge? How many of you want the spirit of understanding and comprehension? The spirit of certainty and the spirit of power. Look at the words that the church uses about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to guide you, to give you wisdom, to give you knowledge, to give you understanding, to give you comprehension, to give you the certainty, spirit of certainty. How many of us are confused? How many of us are tired of confusion? How many of us are struggling in our relationships with our families? How many of us are struggling in our ministries and feeling like our ministries don't have fruit? And no matter what we do, people aren't being moved. How many of our churches are oftentimes led by man-made, like man-made interventions? Where we'll be like, okay, there's a problem. We need to do this ministry. We need to do this meeting. And we need to do this and this and this and this. And this. We're always trying to come up with solutions rather than pausing and saying, Holy Spirit, where are you leading the church? How many of us, when there's a problem, do we pause and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me. Show me how I should navigate this. And I'm saying this over and over and over again because I'm hoping that every single one of us during this season, we can really acquire the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can really start to have a relationship with him, an intimate relationship, a relationship with him that's a relationship of encounter. Church gives us very, very clear text here. So the most important thing is when you look, I'm going to take one small passage. The most important thing is to know that it's a relationship. And it happened. So St. Paul, 
is going to Ephesus. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, look what he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard where the Holy, where there, whether there is a Holy Spirit. These people didn't even know that the Holy Spirit existed. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? Like what? If you've been baptized, how do you not know about the Spirit? So they said, into John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Then Paul said to him, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were, were about 12 in all. You see what this passage is saying? It's a pretty powerful passage. St. Paul is passing by Ephesus and he sees some people who are living a very godly life, but they're missing the spirit. And he says to them, what are you guys doing here? Like, what do you, who, who baptized you? And how, do you, how are you following this message? Like, what's happening here? So we're baptized by John. We're still John's disciples. He says, uh-uh. You've only received an incomplete message. Now I'm going to say something and I want you to bear with me. We all certainly have the Holy Spirit. I'm not denying the Holy Spirit's presence in any of our lives. Crystal clear, right? Don't go say Abuna saying he's denying the Holy Spirit. But I feel like sometimes we are like these people. Not by reality, but by practice. What, what, is, what were the disciples of John like? They were very moral, good people. Moral, good people. Doing the right thing following a set of rules, following a set of things that they did. But they weren't filled with the Spirit. They weren't able to do the miracles and the signs and the wonders. They weren't able to set the world ablaze. And watch, when the Holy Spirit did what? He came upon them, and they were filled, and they had spoken tongues and in prophecy. And they were, they were 12 men. Now imagine those who the Holy Spirit descended upon. What did they go out and do? Did they go sit in their kitchens and figure out the next recipe they were going to cook? Did they uh, figure out what new car or what new house they were going to buy or what type of, you know, fixes? Again, not discouraging that. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying if we haven't dreamed dreams, if we haven't hoped hopes, if we don't have aspirations for what the Holy Spirit is going to do in each and every one of us, we're just like these people. Not because the Holy Spirit isn't available and dwelling and willing and ready to work in every single one of us, but because we haven't tapped into his potential. We haven't even remotely tapped into it. And my prayer over these next five weeks is for us to really go deep into this. So what's the most important thing? Is we have to be aware. First step is being aware. And that's, I think, the hope of this conversation. Is we receive the Holy Spirit as an abiding gift, an indwelling person who moves in us and who works in us to be in full communion with God. The second thing is we need to connect. This is the season of connection with the Holy Spirit. I said this earlier, but the whole liturgical calendar is focused on connecting us with the Holy Trinity. So when you look at the whole liturgical calendar, the first section of the church is focused on the love of God the Father. The second season of the church, or the second section of the church, is focused on the grace of His only begotten Son. And the last whole portion is on the communion and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The church calendar, the lectionary, is designed in order for us to be in loving union with the Holy Trinity. So the goal here in this season is to connect with the Holy Spirit, to actually start to mention 
him in our prayers and to say, Holy Spirit, help me do this. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, help me understand. We are able to grow in our faith through regular relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And the final thing is we need to be led. I want you to pause during this season. Any decision you're going to make, any situation that you're going through, pause and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Ask the Holy Spirit, pray and ask him, Holy Spirit, please show me what I ought to do. Show me what I ought to do. Show me how I ought to go through this problem. Show me how I ought to navigate this situation. And you will see the more and more you are aware, the more and more you're connected, the more and more you're led. Do you want to be moved by the word of God and the presence of Christ? The Holy Spirit, again, is the ultimate teacher. If you go to the next slide. Do you struggle to obey God's command? He's the one, the spirit, the spirit, the winds, which teaches us all things, which connects us, which teaches us, brings us to conviction. Do your prayers seem weak? He's our intercessor. The spirit is the dove of peace who calms us, the giver who equips us, the river of living water who flows out of us to refresh the word with the world. Look at all the scripture about the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this final quote. And this quote always moves me. It's from an Eastern saint named Saint Seraphim of Sarov. Listen, look what he says. He says, when the Spirit of God descends upon a man and overshadows him with the fullness of his outpouring, then his soul overflows with a joy not to be described. For the Holy Spirit turns to joy whatever he touches. For the Holy Spirit turns to joy whatever he touches. The kingdom of heaven is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Acquire inward peace and thousands around you will find their salvation. You all see what this says? Another translation of this says, acquire inward peace and thousands around you will be saved. Same meaning. But look at what this text is saying. When the Spirit descends upon you, there is an overshadowing of joy. How many of us want a joy-filled life? How many of us want a peace-filled life? How many of us want to be inspired and encouraged? How many of us, again, when we look at our own walks with God, do we truly feel like we have a relationship and encounter with the Holy Spirit? We don't want, there was a book actually written by a famous Christian pastor called The Forgotten God. The Forgotten God, we don't want the Holy Spirit to be the forgotten God in our life. We don't want the Holy Spirit to be the third person of the Trinity, that we love to focus on God the Father and God the Son and neglect wholly the person of the Holy Spirit. I really want to encourage you all, tap in to the power that is available. And the way I'm doing it is I am reading right now in this season. I'm reading Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts and praying the third hour every single day. That's the way that I am really trying to invest intentionally, and I'm not reading the third hour, you're Holy Spirit, Lord, like I'm reading the third hour, focused, prayerful, intentional to really try to allow the Holy Spirit to fill me as a priest, to be able to navigate all the situations that come before me, and to be, for us, all of us, if we were to do that, be a Spirit-filled church, a church that's moved and directed by God, not a church that's moved by our own desires, our own will, by our own intentions. I pray that every single one of us as we go through the next four weeks and we're going to go deep into the character of the Holy Spirit, 
about different attributes that he has that he wants to share with us. Most important thing for today is to know that God, there is God above you. There is God beside you. But most importantly, there is God within you. And if we knew and if we continue to discover God within you, you will see. You will see what the Spirit will say through the churches. You will spirit, you'll see what the Spirit will do through the churches. You'll see the, the works that will happen at the hands of the believers who are filled and then moved. Last thing. In the book of Acts, when the deacons were filled with the Spirit, what were they doing? They were tending to tables. They were tending to a bunch of tetas. Right? The widows were, were neglected in daily distribution, and they were tending to a bunch of tetas that were complaining to the apostles. How were they filled in the Spirit? Were they going out and preaching and giving sermons? No, they were filled by the Spirit by doing that which they were asked to do, but doing it faithfully and doing it committed and being sincere. We don't need to end world hunger. We need to feed the hungry. We don't need to change people's lives our own. We need to connect them to the life changer, which is Christ. Our role is to be faithful in the capacity that God gives us and in the work that the Holy Spirit encourages us to do. There's nothing more that we can do and there's nothing more that we can say without the power of he who dwells in us. I pray that every single one of us will be moved by the Holy Spirit this season and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.